to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, we're continuing with our candidates forum today and uh, elections are coming up, ballots are out. So here's a chance to hear something about a candidate. It maybe you can find something out today that you didn't know. Our first candidate today is a candidate for Seattle uh, City Attorney. Uh, her name is Nicole Thompson Kennedy. And I will start by having her have an opening statement of two minutes regarding her background and qualifications for the city attorney's position that she is seeking. So thank you very much for taking the time out. Ms. Nicole Thompson-Kennedy, we appreciate your participation today. So you can go proceed right now. Sure, thank you. So thank you for having me today. I'm Nicole Thomas-Kennedy and I'm running for city attorney because there are rich and powerful people in our society who believe that some of us deserve safety more than others. I'm running because I think we all deserve to be safe regardless of zip code, race, gender, income, or any other factor. We all deserve to be safe in our homes and on the streets of this city that we love. That is why I'm committed to using the office to find genuine solutions to our problems. My opponent and the right-wing media are intentionally stoking people's fears to maintain the status quo, but I believe Seattle is better, smarter, and stronger than those fears. Right now, the voters of Seattle are faced with an important choice. Will our next city attorney continue Pete Holmes' legacy of holding corporations accountable when they pollute our water or refuse to pay their fair share of taxes? Or will those powerful interests succeed in buying this election and installing a Republican veto over our mayor and city council? Because that's at stake in this race. And that's why I'm the only candidate qualified to be the Seattle's next city attorney. I've been the attorney of record on over 600 cases, both criminal and civil. I've never lost a jury trial. I've served the people of Seattle as a public defender, and I've seen firsthand how our broken criminal legal system, how broken our criminal legal system is. We can do better. My opponent, by comparison, has not seen the inside of a courtroom in over a decade. She's litigated just six cases, all more than 10 years ago. She does have one very important qualification, the support of powerful, wealthy donors who have spent more than $300,000 propping up her candidacy. How did she earn their support? Only she can tell us for sure, but I'm guessing they saw someone who aligned with their values. They saw her failed run for city council in 2019, where she proposed warehousing the homeless, literally forcing people into an abandoned Sam's Club surrounded by police. They saw her failed run for lieutenant governor as a Republican in 2020, where she opposed the mask mandate and spread disinformation about age-appropriate sex education. In short, they saw her as either politically aligned with them or willing to do or say anything in order to get elected. That's not who I am. I've made no attempt to hide my beliefs or what I want to do for the people of Seattle. I'm not supported by the same people suing our city. I'm here to defend Seattle and make this city safer, healthier, and more just. That's why I've been endorsed by every single democratic organization in Seattle, most labor unions, current elected officials, and over 200 current practicing attorneys. I hope to earn your support. Thanks for having me here again. Thank you for having me. But I'd like to ask the first question is uh, your position on affirmative action. And mm -hmm. what do you think that uh, uh, the that city attorney's office, could, what kind of position would they be in to help enforce uh, Supreme Court law, uh, Washington State Supreme Court law passed in 2003, that I-200 did not kill affirmative action. Governor Gary Locke's executive director 98-01 did. Uh, how could you navigate around that? And what do you suggest um, bringing about equality for all Seattle citizens? Sure, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of work being done right now to get rid of or minimize the impact of I-200, um, the state law that bans affirmative action. I agree wholeheartedly that it is time I-200 was thrown away. What most people don't realize is that the city attorney is the chief legal advisor to the city and oversees all litigation of the city. That means that the next city attorney will help other elected officials find a way to get rid of I-200, or they can do what has not been done before, which is engage in direct litigation over the law. I'm the city attorney prepared to help make that happen. 
Um, it's also the city attorney that helps city departments advance the goals of affirmative action, even when I-200 is in play. So even with I-200, the city is lucky to have a mature race and social justice initiative that works to help advance racial equity within the city and within all the business lines of the various city departments from Seattle Public Utilities to the Human Services Division. The city attorney helps departments navigate around I-200 to make targeted investments into communities historically disadvantaged by racism. But this takes a city attorney grounded in racial justice and 100% committed to racial equity, and I am. It is also the city attorney that must defend the city regarding any claimed violations of I-200, which we always need to be prepared for. And it will take a city attorney grounded in racial justice with a clear understanding of the impacts of institutional racism to make sure the city is zealously and successfully defended. So in terms of uh, your, you articulated quite a few visions that you have, what would be your priorities in the city attorney's office? So my first priority would be to address public safety. And I will do that by using evidence-based and data-driven solutions that we know work and that prioritize prioritize prevention and repair. This looks like expanding community-based diversion programs like Choose 180 and implementing a victim's restitution fund that can make victims of crime whole. It also looks like spending time listening to and building with community leaders, all of which are already out here doing the work to provide real community solutions. There's a lot of expansion and resourcing of community uh, programs that needs to be done. And the largest division of the city attorney's office all prioritized taking up the cases that were started under Pete Holmes, defending the city against big business and corporate landlords in regards to jumpstart. So the jumpstart tax is the tax recently passed that makes corporations pay taxes. The money from this tax has been set aside to support services for low-income communities. But these corporations are pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into fighting my campaign for the simple reason that they don't want to pay their fair share of taxes. They know my track record as a successful defense attorney. They know they don't have a chance if I'm in office. Um, you know, I also look forward to the upcoming um, spot, the Seattle Police Officers Guild contract negotiations um, so that we can get a police contract that works for all the people of Seattle. Oh, if I can ask. Uh, uh... What are your uh, what's your your visions of police reform in the city of Seattle? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we need to rethink how we bring accountability to the police department um, in order to earn back public trust and confidence. So, regarding this fog contract, the police officers guild contract as well as general police reform, the city really needs to get closer to what was envisioned by the 2017 police accountability ordinance which um, includes many things, transparency with the community over officer dis discipline, limits on post-firing arbitration where officers um, can challenge being fired and the city often spends years defending um, an officer being fired to actually get, um, get rid of them. Um, and it also includes uh, independent and community collaborative oversight of our police. As city attorney, I can refuse to I can also refuse to prosecute cases where there's misconduct, such as turning off body cameras or engaging in racist policing. These are not issues with every officer at SBD, but for those that engage in this conduct, they will not see it rewarded by my office. So there's several different levers, but really the community has been asking for the same thing for years. Um, and I think the very first things that we can do is make sure those 2017 um, accountability ordinance reforms are built into this system. In terms of, uh, we've had, I guess, several police officers went back to participate in January 6th. Mm -hmm. What position would the city attorney's office have or authority would the city attorney's office have to deal with that kind of misconduct? Um, I mean, it really depends. Um, 
it really depends. So there could be multiple different ways to go about it. But considering I think that there is some ongoing litigation about that right now, um, I don't think I should really comment on that. What I would say is just briefly is I think everybody deserves a fair process. And so okay, yeah, um, we're down. Everybody's keeping time on me because I want to make sure all of the candidates get the same amount of time. You got one minute left just to give you a closing argument. Oh, pretty, okay, much, cool. pretty much did a good all along the interview. You pretty did a pretty much a good case on that. So go right ahead. Okay, great. Um, so there's a lot at stake in this election. Voters will decide whether they want someone who's doubling down on mass incarceration or want someone who will review the data and evidence to develop public safety solutions we know actually work. Do you want a city attorney who's being funded by big corporations and businesses, or do you want a city attorney ready to defend the city against these corporations who are doing everything they can to avoid being taxed and regulated? I'm going to make sure corporations pay their fair share, which is why we are fighting, which is why they're fighting so hard against me. But if the workers, renters and folks earning survival wages, they're the ones that have the most to lose in this election if my opponent wins. Please take this election seriously. Vote for me to be your next city attorney. Voters can find more information about me and my platform on ntkforjustice.com. I hope all of your listeners have their ballots and, and that I have earned their vote. If you don't have your ballot already, you can head over to the King County Elections website get and get some help finding a new ballot or getting registered. It's not too late. Okay, candidate for CL City Attorney Nicole Thompson-Kennedy, thank you very much for your time today and providing that thank information you. to our listening audience. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you, now. So, Eric, do we have uh, a Peter Steinbrook on the line? Hey, Peter is there. Hey, Eddie, brother. How you doing? <laughs> okay, okay. Good. Well, Peter, uh, you got your, your little marching orders on the candidates' form, uh, format. So I want you to take uh, your two minutes to talk about uh, your background and qualifications for the, for the position you're seeking to retain. And that's the uh, Port Commissioner number four. Okay, Eddie, I'll take away. I can't talk as fast as long as, as that previous speaker. <laughs> but I, I'm born and raised in Seattle. I grew up in the Central District. I'm fourth generation uh, a Seattle native. Uh, I if go back far enough. I certainly have an immigrant background of hardworking, laboring people. I grew up in a multicultural family and friends uh, of our family. And that's what I value is multiculturalism. And it's where we are we need to go and where the world is already going and from that standpoint um i have served in public interest work most of my life starting with my my uh efforts when i was a child working with my father uh to save the pike place market and i i learned my civics lessons there and this was about saving not just the buildings but the small businesses the diversity of small businesses ethnic shops local farmers, immigrant farmers, Japanese, Filipino, Italian, and uh, the city wanted to tear down the market. A lot of people don't even know that. This is the 50th anniversary of that civic battle that lasted for eight years during my upbringing. That's where I get my civics lesson. Qualifications, I have the strongest leadership on public policy background. Anybody at the port today, anybody who's running. I served 10 years on the Seattle City Council, working in every single area. I started the first civil rights committee on the city council. Now that seems like old school, but that's in fact where we were back in the early 2000s. And we needed to address the fallout of I-200, which stripped our ability legally, at least some say, from uh, advancing affirmative action. So I bring that great policy experience, leadership experience with results that you have not seen anything compared to. 
and my uh, contributions and accomplishments throughout my public life, which is both civic, public, and political in my office holding. How's that for two minutes? That was great. Now, so now <laughs> the big question in our neighborhood is uh, affirmative action and equality at the Port of Seattle. We have some people saying that, uh, yeah, they extended the leases, but our traffic is low. And this is primarily the airport concessionaires disadvantaged enterprises. And so there are a lot of questions about what can be do to bring equality to those folks who are not under the real big guys like hosting those other folks. Well, sure, Eddie. I got that question. I understand it well. But in order to understand racial justice and equality, uh, you have to understand economic justice, which is wealth uh, accumulation, first of all. You can't have economic justice without wealth accumulation. And that is where uh, a, a huge dispro disproportionalities exist, particularly in the African-American communities uh, historically due to racism, institutional racism. So advancing equity, we start with having an understanding of what that means. I mean, it does mean leveling the playing field, providing opportunity where opportunity has not been available for all, sharing the prosperity of the port and its core economic mission for, for, uh, for disadvantaged businesses that have been discriminated against historically. And yes, uh, contractors, provisioners, suppliers, uh, all of them have been uh, disproportionately impacted or have a disproportionate share. I helped support and advance a tripling of the port's uh, goals for uh, inclusion of uh, minority disadvantaged businesses. When I joined the port, it was only about 5%. Uh, we are moving steadily upward in that regard uh, with better numbers today. Now, it's still not equitable between other di different, uh, you know, uh, ethnic uh, uh, and minority um, uh, participants. Uh, it still needs, we still need to uh, bring greater equity at, at, at all levels of minority and disadvantaged businesses. And even though our numbers on the top are looking better all the time, participation is not where it needs to be yet. Uh, we In 2020, we had 75 million in total uh, 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 public works and non-public works results of sharing, which sharing with uh, uh, minority women, disadvantaged businesses with the 10.8 9% participation, and it was only 5% uh, when I joined the commission. Uh, it, those numbers are still not good when you start to break it down, and I will be the first to acknowledge that. There are lots of things we're doing to advance equity, but it starts at putting that as our North Star, centering equity in everything we do, every program, every construction project, every policy, uh, all of our public works that goes out the door. And we have a lot of public works, 3.8 billion in the next five years. But you have to start with an intentional, uh, uh, with the intent to, to make improvements. And I will say Mian Rice, who just was awarded the Aki Kurosi Award for his work as the, the program director for diversity and contracting is doing great strides. So shout out to Mian. Again, you have to have the leadership behind this and you have to be held accountable and expect results. That's where I would put things. Now, in terms of, uh, uh, yeah, you articulated quite a bit. I want to see if uh, either Claude, uh, Claude Murphy uh, with the King County Labor Council and also first vice president of the NAACP, 
C.L. King County branch of the NAACP, and Hayward Evans with the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. I want to see if either one of those gentlemen have a one-minute question or less. Yes, uh, Peter, I would like to ask you, what are your priorities at the port uh, this coming term? Because as, as I recollect, there are a large disparity in minority hiring there. Well, that's my priority is, uh, is to advance equitable economic recovery right now, number one, that's our, our key focus on our core mission historically. But now it needs to be more equitable than it has been in the past. And I will be the first to acknowledge we have more work to do there. And that's a priority of mine. We created the Office of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. We established under the North Star of our century agenda, I'm talking the policy level, equity as among our top goals of the port uh, of the future. Building the port of the future is my message that is more equitable uh, and um, that uh, can continue to create the good quality uh, living wage and career oriented jobs, but share them widely where they have not been shared before. I can go into detail there, uh, but there's many ways that I think that we are working currently uh, uh, to achieve those goals. So starting at the top, as I said, my, co my core priority is the core mission of the port, which is business uh, through a, a, the public resources that we have available, SeaTac Airport, the port of the seaport, our construction jobs, our maritime, our fishermen's terminal, those are our core businesses. We rely on less than 5% uh, tax dollars to operate uh, on our operating budget, which no other government achieves. So we're actually delivering on the jobs while taking far less than any other level of government in terms of taxing people. Uh, I, I'm not resting there though. Um, I, you know, we, we have to continue. You're down to the last minute. Uh, okay, I'll stop there. No, you have, you got one more minute. Go right ahead. Oh, until uh, uh, the end of the I'll program? Let, I'll let, yeah, I'll let Hayward get the next question. To the well, end, uh, let me just say, you know, I believe that the port is a progressive leader. And again, Eddie, you know this all too well, and Claude, that transparency and accountability ne needs to be uh, needs to be there. And we need to be held accountable and we need to produce accurate information, data, numbers, year to year on our progress. I mentioned the 3.8 billion in construction jobs alone, contracts that is, construction contracts, five years. That's a lot of money going out the door. Okay, okay. Peter, and that's uh, the last word. We're out of time for this All interview. Right. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, Eddie, that goes permission. so fast. Thank you. Okay. It's always great to be on the Urban Forum Radio. Okay. Thank well, they can so call much. you now as your office and get the rest of the information. All right. Do awesome. you have a website with your information? Uh, Peterforport.org. Peterforport.org. Okay, Thank you, Commissioner Peter Okay, we'll see, we appreciate I see my that. colleague Ryan Calkins is next. To well, he's Go next. Forward, That's why I have to save his time. Okay, as Peter has just introduced his colleague on the port, uh, Seattle Port Commissioner from Position 1, Ryan Calkins. So, Ryan Calkins, you got the script. Uh, why don't you do an opening statement of uh, two minutes regarding your background and qualifications for position, re-election to position number one on the Port of Seattle. Thank you, Eddie, and just uh, wanted to make sure my sound's coming through. Yeah, you're cool. Great, thank you. Thanks for having me, Eddie. It's really great to be on the Urban Forum. I recall doing this four years ago with you, and uh, I was full of ideas then, and hopefully uh, over the last four years, I've been able to deliver on some of those uh, campaign commitments. 
Uh, I'm running for re-election, honestly, uh, because I love this job. Uh, it has been uh, truly a uh, an apex moment in my own career. Um, for those who, who don't recall, I uh, was an importer and distributor um, in Georgetown prior to entering politics myself. And so I came to the port with a fair bit of experience on the um, maritime side. And I've tried to be a quick study on the aviation side. In fact, my colleagues elected me chair of the aviation committee on our commission uh, for the last two years, uh, which for me was um, a uh, an opportune moment because we, of course, faced a pandemic in the midst of that. And uh, I think I've been a, a critical part of um, ushering the port through a crisis uh, and doing it in such a way that ensured that we provide we provided services, much needed services to our region throughout that. Uh, over the next four years, I hope to continue to, to work on some of the key issues that I think the port is facing, not least of which is the continued development of our Office of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion, which was one of the um, uh, first major initiatives that we undertook uh, during my term as a commissioner. Uh, we uh, created the office and then hired Bukta Gesar to be the, the initial senior director of that office, and she really hit the ground running. Um, she launched into both an internal survey of what we needed to do as an institution to improve our own internal workings, uh, but then most recently has really um, begun to dig into the work of figuring out how we can uh, compel our contractors, subcontractors, the, the concentric circles around the Port of Seattle to improve our um, percentage of contracts and the percentage of, of total dollars that we contract out to uh, diverse businesses, to women and minority-owned businesses. And um, that is uh, challenging work, as you all know, but uh, one of the first things that I did as a commissioner back in 2018 was to go down and advocate on behalf of the repeal of I-200, uh, because we see that as a, as a fundamental obstacle to our ability to uh, address some of the systemic issues associated with um, lack of diversity in contracting and hiring. So I'll, I'll end there and uh, I look forward to, okay. to the conversation. I'll, I'll have uh, Hayward Evans, Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. We'll have the next question. Uh, Com Commissioner Cochran, you know, I, I love what you're saying, especially in terms of affirmative action and equality at the Port of Seattle. Now, how do we take, I mean, yeah, Port of Seattle, but how do we take that to the contractors, those who receive contracts from the port, how are they held accountable to make sure that people of color have adequate uh, positions in, on their contracts and that they're paying on time? Yeah, that the issue of payment is a really interesting one, Hayward, um, and it's come to our attention recently. And, and I'll tell you, the most important mechanism we as a port have is before we ever sign the, the, the contract document, right? How do we, how do we build a contract that requires the use of uh, minority and, and uh, women-owned firms. And um, we've just started instituting that. Uh, through the first cycle of it, um, one of the things we've learned is that uh, in certain areas, the contractors come back to us and say, we're struggling to find firms that qualify, which is in, in my own work, what I have understood from that is we need to actually go even further upstream. We need to figure out what is it that we can do to help germinate women and minority owned businesses so that in five, 10, 15 years, there's a larger pool of available uh, diverse contractors and subcontractors to do the work. One of the examples that, uh, that uh, me and Rice gave me, uh, uh, this is probably a year ago in conversation was, 
um, you know, we have, we have a lot of uh, windows at the Port of Seattle. And uh, so one of the big contracts that is regularly subcontracted out through our prime contractors is glazing services, installing new windows, fixing windows, et cetera. And when we went out to contract for, um, uh, find a subcontractor for that contract, uh, we couldn't find a single firm on the state's Office of uh, Women and Minority-Owned Business Enterprises uh, database of, of diverse contractors that 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 was uh, registered as a, a glazer. So we need to be able to, as a port, one of the things we can do is say, how do we help uh, young workers get into those skilled trades so that they can work in the skilled trades first as an apprentice, then as a journeyman, and eventually then say, I'm going to start my own business in, in glazing or, or plumbing or uh, all the skilled trades. Um, and that may take some time, but we have to do that upstream work as well to make sure that we have the pool of applicants for contracts that, that we need to be able to fill those contracts. I want to ask uh, Claude Burfick, uh, who is uh, King County with the Lake King County Labor Council and also first vice president of the Seattle King County NAACP to ask the next question. Uh, Peter, uh, not Peter, uh, Ryan, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but, uh, uh, you know, we have a real problem in the police department and, uh, there were, uh, a lot of unions and so forth are talking about defunding the police. Uh, can you kind of give me an idea of your perception of uh, what should be done with the police? And we're talking about uh, not only defunded, but what can we do to make this police system here in, 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 in the Seattle area, King County, work for us Black folks as opposed to, you know, uh, so my question is, what can we do to help improve the police department? Thank you, Claude. Yeah, so the Port of Seattle has its own police force. Um, this is separate from the Seattle Police Department, of course. And our police force is basically broken up into two, uh, two portions, the aviation that works uh, at the airport, and then the maritime division, which covers all the properties um, from Terminal 117 on the Duwamish River all the way up to Shoshul Golden Gardens area in, in, uh, in Ballard, North Seattle. Uh, and that police force um, is, it's a pretty unique police force. It, it, they're not doing the kind of patrols that you would think of of a typical city or municipal police force. They are um, trained specifically to serve an airport or a seaport. And so we have a commercial, or sorry, we have a, um, a diving team. We have a, a bombs unit. Uh, just yesterday, actually, I spent uh, the afternoon with our canine unit at the airport, this very specialized unit of bomb sniffing dogs, uh, whose job it is, is to make sure that two things, one, that we're safe, obviously, but also that we expedite the processes that we're required to, to undertake for safety and security at the airport. So we have a really unique police force. However, uh, in the, in the uh, aftermath of George Floyd's murder, uh, Peter and I, Peter, your most recent guest, and I initiated a task force on police accountability at the Port of Seattle because it felt like that moment was a moment where we needed to, even if it turned out that our police force was um, engaged in all of the best practices and doing the right thing, there's always room for an improvement. So 
we enlisted outside consultants, brought together a huge community group uh, to oversee the work. And uh, we actually just concluded it this, uh, this last month uh, with a major report out with 52 recommendations for our own police force. Has a whole lot of gobbledygook. The point is we've got room to improve at the Port of Seattle Police Department. Uh, I do think uh, we are head and shoulders above many of the peer institutions around here because of the great work um, the command leadership has done to create a culture of guardians, not of warriors. That is absolutely- well, Commissioner Calkins. Yeah, we're down to like you got like got one minute to close out to say. <laughs> I why just I, goes so fast, Eddie. I'm sorry. I hear you. Well, we, you you know later on we can. You've been on before, but uh, one minute we got to be fair to everybody. But one Absolutely. minute to just talk about you know uh, why you're more qualified for the position and give up the information on how voters and potential voters can contact your campaign office. You bet. Uh, so my the website where you can find information about every aspect of my campaign is ryanforport.com. Uh, would love for folks to take a look at that and see what we're doing on the aviation maritime side. See how we're, we're bringing tons and tons of jobs through the green economy to the Seattle region and making sure that that's shared prosperity for all communities and not just uh, um, lifting up those who already have, uh, but instead seeking to distribute that. Probably my proudest achievement from the first uh, four-year term was the development of Maritime High School, which is a brand new high school in South Seattle geared toward communities that have historically not had access to educational justice to move them into all the lucrative careers in maritime, whether that's vessel operations, Coast Guard, marine biology, marine engineering, marine law and policy. We wanna get kids who haven't had access to maritime jobs into those careers and maritime high school is the way to do it. Okay, call Ryan Caucus and get the rest of the information. Commissioner Caucus, thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate your participation. Thank you. Thank you we'll for inviting me on, future. Eddie. It's always a pleasure. I hope I can come okay. back soon. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, we'll take a break and come back with our next candidate after this. Thank you, Ari. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. 
Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eric, thank you. This is uh, Eddie Rye back at Urban Forum Northwest with Claude Berkey, the first vice president of Seattle, uh, end up, a branch of the NAACP, the Seattle King County branch of the NAACP, and Hayward Evans with the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. Our next guest is uh, the uh, county executive, the Martin Luther King Jr. County Executive, Dow Constantine, who is seeking re-election uh, in a couple of weeks. So first of all, uh, County Executive Constantine, welcome to Urban Forum, Northwest Canada's Forum. And uh, you got your format. Give us a two-minute opening statement about your background and qualifications. Well, thank you so much, Eddie. Hayward, Claude, thanks for having me today. I'm King County Executive Dow Constantine. When COVID hit here, the first place in the nation, I led with science and reason. And we saved lives. Uh, now vaccine verification is going to save more lives. It's going to keep our businesses and schools open and recovery moving forward. Through clear and sustained focus on equity, we opened our first mass vaccine sites in King County's most diverse and most economically challenged communities in South King County. And we partnered with dozens of community-based groups, trusted voices to get the word out to people to get vaccinated. And in doing that, we reached 70% full vaccination across every racial and ethnic group measured by public health in King County. None of it was easy, but it's the right thing to do. I led the creation as well of Best Starts for Kids, the nation's most comprehensive early childhood program. Of Sound Transit 3 to connect our entire region with zero carbon high capacity transit. With health through housing, where we're buying thousands of homes to help people off the streets and give them the services they need to stay housed and begin to move forward again with their lives. My administration has repeatedly set the pace in uh, financial stewardship with AAA bond ratings and environmental restoration and equity and in equity and social justice and much more. I'm honored to be endorsed by diverse voices who recognize the need for level-headed, proven, pragmatic leadership, starting with Democrats for diversity and inclusion, uh, uh, city officials like Councilmember Ed Prince and Renton Tekele Gobena in SeaTac, James J. Raj in Auburn, uh, my old friend Sean Quinn in Tukwila, as well as Zach Eden in Tukwila, and Conservation District Commissioner Chris Porter, and community leaders like Hanbi Muhammad like Davida Briscoe of Not This Time, uh, like uh, Rob Saka, uh, redistricting commissioner, and Brian Carter of Fort Culture. Uh, it is a um, robust campaign. People are recognizing the good work we've been doing, uh, whether it's on inquest reform or uh, criminal legal system reimagining. And I'm looking forward to our conversation this afternoon about some of our accomplishments. Okay. Hey, what happens from the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee? We'll have the, the, the next first question. Uh, thank you for being uh, with us, Dow. My, my question uh, is around affirmative action and equality in Martin Luther King County, particularly as it relates to the hiring practices, contracting, and what are the priorities going to be to make sure particularly African descendants of the United States enslaved are getting their share of the pie? So thank you, Hayward, and it's good to see you again. I'm uh, glad you this question because we've had a really focused effort within the county government to make sure that uh, part of our equity and social justice commitment uh, includes 
genuine representation at all levels uh, within the workforce. And we've made enormous progress in promoting people from within, uh, uh, African-American descendants of slaves, as well as uh, Black immigrants from Africa, as well as uh, Latinx and uh, Asian and Native employees. We've fostered the creation of, uh, of employee groups really lifting up the voices of those who've been historically excluded because of systemic racism. And we have made enormous progress in our highest paid ranks uh, in making sure that we have genuine representation. But beyond that, you asked about uh, contracting. And I'm proud to have been able to sign just a few months ago my pro-equity contracting executive order. That was co-created with uh, Black, Latino, and other professional groups uh, to really open up uh, access to government contracting to many more uh, BIPOC-owned businesses. And the idea here is that we have uh, billions of dollars of work coming that can be used, not just to deliver the infrastructure, the services, the public broadly needs, but to help grow economic power in communities that have historically been excluded from it. And so they're very specific and technical changes that we've made, like the level of insurance one needs or how you count experience of the individual employees in a firm toward the requirements, all that sort of thing. But the sum total of it is that we are lowering, lowering barriers, uh, even in the context of I-200, which I strongly opposed and which worked uh, all these years to try to repeal, lowering the barriers to people being able to get good work to hire more people, to grow economic power, and to do economic justice. Coming out of this uh, series of crises we've been through, I think we have the chance to really turn the tide on this and become one of the places in the country that harnesses uh, the, the modern economy to, uh, to right some of the wrongs that history has presented to us. Thank you. Now, Claude Burfick has his question. Go right ahead, Claude, the one you asked last time. Okay. Uh, my question is, in the next four years, what are your priorities uh, as a, a county uh, exec in the next four years? What are your priorities as far as uh, uh, improving, excuse me, I got something in my throat, but improving um, the county? So I'm going to talk about uh, the criminal legal system. <laughs> which is rife with disparities, just like all systems in our society are rife with disparities. Uh, but yet, first off, we start with the premise that every person should be able to fe feel secure, uh, that they will not be victimized. Not victimized by an individual, a stranger, not victimized by a family member, not victimized by the state. And that means we have to be able to respond quickly and appropriately in an emergency. And that means there have to be clear rules and expectations and accountability for police that meet the expectations of the public in the 21st century. Now, because of a charter amendment, I'm gonna take over control of the sheriff's office on January 1st. That means I'll be charged with appointing a new sheriff, someone who can lead that kind of transformation, but also with creating the new sort of rules and expectations for the sheriff's office. And to help in both of those things, we convened a public safety advisory committee and it includes uh, representatives from sort of over-policed communities, uh, as well as representatives of law enforcement. Uh, and they have uh, discussed over the course of months, what 
policing and criminal justice generally should look like in King County in the 21st century and presented a report that is before the County Council now. And I am looking forward to continuing working with them and with broader communities to co-create a new future, one in which we can all have confidence. Now, one of the things we have to do is make sure we can respond to real emergencies. And uh, the Sheriff's Office, unlike city police departments, has never been uh, particularly uh, well-funded or well-staffed. We're a little short in places across a big geography, but more important, we got to make sure that we create reforms like I created in the inquest process, which is what we use when there's a police-involved shooting. Uh, I work with communities, with the uh, families of victims of police violence to completely remake that process. And the police departments sued us and we took it all the way to the Supreme Court and we won. And we're now moving forward with those new, transparent, trustworthy inquests that will get to the truth and help not only point the finger at uh, whoever caused the, the problem, but more to the point, will help stop it from happening in the future. And that is uh, the real key here is we need everyone to be able to have confidence that uh, they are not gonna be victimized by a public official with a gun. Uh, just real uh, quickly, Claude, I'm sorry I'm going on here, but there's a lot. Oh, you have, we have, you know, we're down to one minute, sir. So okay. we gotta have everybody at the same time. You know how that is. All right, Somebody right. has the clock on you. <laughs> well, I'll just finish up real quick. We're putting 24 hour uh, behavioral health street teams out there to help people who are having challenges get to safety and get the treatment they need. Uh, we have a public health-based gun violence prevention program, the Regional Peacekeepers Collective, we're putting in place to help uh, stop the violence on our streets. We are moving forward on all fronts to create the kind of genuine safety in communities that everyone wants. Thank you, King County Executive Dow Constantine for what you're doing. And uh, we will be talking with you soon. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. So Eric, do we have uh, uh, candidate uh, Kim Kanban on? Hi, hi now. All right, there she is. So you have to say hi to now. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, a candidate Kim uh, uh, Hayward Evans from the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee is on the line, and so is Claude Burphy with the first vice president of CL King County uh, NAACP branch, and he's also with the King County Labor Council. Uh, so they're on with us as well. So uh, we would like to have you first of all take your make your two minute opening statement about your background and qualifications. Yes, um, and thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be here tonight and today. And uh, myself, my name is Kim Kanvan, and I'm currently a Renton City Council member, a um, current volunteer judge advocate general with the United States Army Volunteer Reserve, um, a small business owner, a PTA mom, uh, and a former refugee uh, when I was five years old. Uh, I say all these um, titles and roles because I come with a lived and professional experience. The pressure and experience of having been worked as an attorney for the last 10 years supporting our small uh, businesses in our community here in, in South King County, in Southeast King County. I'm running for King County Council District 9. It's a district that has been left behind for so long. It's from South Bellevue all the way to Enumclaw into parts of Issaquah. Um, and we really need experience and leadership right now with the lived and professional experience that I come with. Um, as a Renton City Council member, I champion racial equity and uh, initiative that really put our community first, like the Equity and Empowerment Commission, making sure that we focus on contracting for minority-owned businesses. Um, on, the on the King County Council, my vision as I talk to community is one, 
equitable recovery, two opportunities and fair share, and three centering in our communities. Um, I've had a broad support base from our uh, federal delegation, Congressman Adam Smith, uh, Congresswoman Dr. Kim Schreier, uh, to the executive Dow Constantine. Um, the numerous senators and legislators have supported my campaign as well. And, and so I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'll give Hayward Evans the first question with the King, Martin Luther King, County, uh, Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. Uh, Kim, first, thank you for being here with us. I want to ask a question about police reform in King County and also the appointment of the sheriff. What's your position and how would you go about that appointment? Yeah, I think you have to look at holistically and also particularly in our District 9, as that's the uh, area that I will be representing that includes a lot of unincorporated and rural communities. Uh, how I look at it is a, now is a mandate from the people saying that, hey, it's going to be appointed. So when I look at the qualification and making sure they have community members input and from the advisory, as I read through it, it's a lengthy um, report is that the um, support in having someone from the law enforcement background, but someone who's really going to look into racial equity, making sure that no one's above the law. Uh, someone who's going to build trust in the community. Um, so for me, having been in, on Renton City Council and also a young professional for the last 10 years as an attorney, I see there's a need to support profession, but to hold accountability of um, actors who are not doing their job, being um, substandard part. Um, so I would look to community and um, the advisory that has been given a voice to uh, this issue as well. Claude Burfick from the... Uh NAACP and the King County Labor Council have the next question. What are your stance on affirmative action and equality in Martin Luther King, Jr. County? Yeah, we've been left behind, right? When we're talking about equality, um, we can't even really talk about equity because it's not really there yet. Um, so I-200, we need to repeal, right? Uh, working with a pace, we've uh, tried to educate our community and going to Olympia. I want to make sure that it is when we talk about real equity, real equality, we want to make sure we center the issues here of, of race and making sure that folks who haven't had a any chance at the table to be at the table, to make sure there are programs that are going to be opportunities for all of us. Uh, starting with, like I mentioned earlier, the contracting. I mean, our businesses have been down um, ever since, what, 2000, uh, 1999, around that time with I-200. Um, want to make sure that we repeal it. I'm all for I-1000 affirmative action, um, any type of form that's going to make sure that we actually build a true um, county with the name Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because we're just there in name, but in the spirit, we're not there yet. Hey, what Evans, you have the next question? Uh, yeah, Kim, mine's going mine's gonna to talk about that, that equity in contracting. How do we hold, how do we hold contractors responsible? Those that get major contracts from King County Yet when it comes to recruiting minorities or having minority subcontractors, they're not there. And, and particularly, I'm talking about descendants of the African enslaved. Since the impact of I-200 November 1998, businesses have been reduced by over 50%. What could be done to get more uh, minorities into those subcontracts and hold those um, contractors accountable? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it really, there's two uh, folks to that. One is, are we actually contracting out to minority-owned businesses? So that's one thing, is making sure our bid bidding process is fair and transparent, making sure that we are reaching out not just to the standard, um, you know, job source place, like here we need to post it, but actually reaching out to our ethnic communities, 
our uh, black and brown communities as well as we're advertising for these opportunities for a proposal. Um, secondly, to hold those who are the contractor to the county, to a government agency, we wanna make sure that they're actually going to give us a report at the end of the day. Now I know it's small business, it's big business, so we can't really do much of their auditing process, but certainly there has to be a guideline in place and enforce that you know while we are contracting to this company, are they actually going to deliver on what they're saying is that they're contracting out to sub subcontractors and that are um, minority-owned businesses as well, um, and that uh, we need to stop hiring if they're not. There has to be that enforcement aspect, which I think is lacking in the county as well in the city. Um, as we know that these are institutions that are um, not, not really built for us. And so I think we need to make sure we have representation. What will be your priorities be uh, as a county council member? Yeah, I have several priorities. Of course, um, I'm not going to say that it's all it's going to get accomplished. But as I talk to community of District 9, again, I have to be very mindful of our region from South Bellevue all the way to Enumclaw and to Issaquah that we're looking at this. Um, when we talk about equitable recovery, the most impacted are front and center. So the stories of folks, meaning our small businesses, predominantly uh, minority, uh, women minority owned businesses, right? How are we going to get an incubator making sure that we're going to have jobs recovery for our small business? Because that's pretty much the local economy. Uh, so I'm working with uh, folks from different industry, from the farmland to restaurants to barbershop, to making sure that their voice at the table, making sure that they're actually going to get the um, the funding, but also the contracting opportunity. Um, secondly, you know, stop the asphalt plant. Really, we should not be building an asphalt plant on SR169 Renton Maple Valley Highway. That's about 150 feet from the Cedar River. That is going to be a disaster for our waterway. That's public safety. That is the salmon, the environment. That's just not going to be good for us. Um, of course, third, uh, which is, again, not in any particular order, but hiring the sheriffs, right? Um, that is very important. Uh, as we have seen the racial reckoning of our country, um, basically what has happened in King County, not even talking about country, but so many of our community members, Black and Brown, particularly Black men and women, have been subject to state violence. And I think as someone who's a former refugee, we, we, we escaped Vietnam for a reason. We were persecuted. It's something that I take to heart on how we're gonna move forward on uh, law enforcement and accountability. Um, I think everyone should be on point with accountability. And okay, you have one minute left to get anything else in, including your information about your campaign, how potential voters can contact you. Yeah, I want to thank you all for this opportunity and please vote, vote because your voice matters. Um, we need to vote to make sure that folks with lived and professional experience are going to be making policy that's going to be reflective of our community. Um, my information is uh, www.electkimconvan.com. That's E-L-E-C-T-K-I-M-K-H-A-N-H-V-A-N.com. Um, you can please send me an email at info at electkimconvan.com. Please join our campaign. This is the time for us to make history. We have long, long since had a person, a woman of color, uh, to be on council for King County Council. So I ask for your vote. Thank you very much, Kim Conman. We appreciate your time today. Okay, Eric, we'll take a break and come back to wrap up after this. 
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seatacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington, or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. Okay, Eddie, right back. I want to thank uh, Todd Burphy, King County Labor Council, First VP of the Seattle King County Branch of the NAACP, and Hayward Evans uh, with the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee and Washington State Civil Rights Coalition. And I want to give a shout out to... Uh, uh, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Division with Liz Alzier. I uh, also want to give a shout out uh, to our sponsor, the Port of Seattle uh, Diversity Contracting Office with uh, me and Rice and Lawrence Coleman in Sound Transit uh, with Leslie Jones, Chief of Labor, and uh, Jeanette Robinson, the Civil Rights uh, Chief down there. I also want to thank Stephanie Oval for the work she does on our website and the two Desert Storm veterans who are out at SeaTac right now, uh, Jerry Whitsitt and Rod O'Neill, that's, that's the African Lounge and Mountain Room Bar, Dave Fukuhara, Concourse Concessions, and uh, whatever you do, vote, and whatever you do, make sure you put some heat on some folks about not voting. So this has been Eddie Riot with another edition. Oh, I wanted to give a shout out to um, uh, the main lady and uh, the, super, the supervisor of accounts payable at Sound Transit, Nixie Croxon. So thank you all very much. And we'll be uh, talking to you again next Thursday at the same time. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.